We are a people in exile. We are a people under pressure in hostile territory. The, the church is no longer at the forefront, and we've said enough about those things. So let's read the text, and then I'm going to come back. So chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. By the way, I'm reading from the NIV. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And it is hard for the righteous to be saved. What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. What I want to do is I want to do a brief summary of the whole of Peter up to this point, to right to the end of chapter 4, and give you an understanding. Because actually there's, there's, a, there's some delicate moments in there, but it's actually like kind of one theme thing it runs through. So I'm going to go through with this and start with it. Remember, remember this is Peter. Peter's an old man now, um, a wise old man, hopefully. He's grown in his affection for Jesus. He's, you know, he was an impetuous man, tried to you know, jump in the walk on water and then lost his faith and began to sink, cut off a person's ear, denied the Lord when he said he wouldn't. I mean, there's just a whole lot that happens in Peter's life. And Jesus restores him in the most beautiful way. We read that in at the end of the book of John. And now he's gone out and he's old and he's writing these letters to a church that's under pressure, a church in exile, a church struggling, a church that's been oppressed by the culture around it. And he says this, remember who you are. Not only that, remember whose you are. That we actually belong to another. Remember what you've been called to. Remember what is the hope that you've been called to. He's just trying to encourage this, these small communities of people in this hostile territory. Saying, remember, remember who you are. Remember whose you are. It's important that we do that. Because as we go into our world, it's so easy to forget that and just be overwhelmed by what's out there. But actually he says, no, remember. And he says, don't remember it as an isolated thing, that you're this isolated person. Remember that all of this, that who you are, whose you are, what you've been called to, what your living hope is, all of it is connected to the work, the completed, finished work of Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection. We never must forget about that. And it's so easy for us that we like Christian in name and we do the church thing, but we forget that actually we are rooted in Jesus who has completed an incredible work on our behalf that enables us to be in that space. So if we remember that and who we are and we remember how we came to be who we are, then Peter says we need to become very deliberate in how we live in this world. You can't live in a haphazard way. 
You've got to wake up each day saying, deliberately, I choose to live a Jesus life today. Because if you don't, the culture will sweep over you. Um, there's an, um, a book that uh, Richard Raw wrote. The title is fantastic. I'm still trying to wrestle through the book again because I didn't, there were some things that were funny. But the title was magnificent. It says, Learning to Breathe Underwater. A culture that has overwhelmed us. Peter said, no, we have to learn how to be Jesus' people, how to breathe in that culture and actually live, not just be swamped by it. All right? So we need to be deliberate in how we live. But Peter also says, if you choose to be deliberate, if you, if you know who you are and whose you are and what you're about, and you know how you, this came about through Jesus, and you say, because of that, I'm going to choose to live the Jesus lifestyle, just be aware that you are going to experience hardship and persecution and suffering. It's, 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 it's coming. Don't be surprised by that. That's actually what's going to happen, because the lifestyle of Jesus flies straight in the face of the lifestyle of co the culture that we live in. Now, we 2,000 years later, it's a different culture, but it's exactly the same problem we have, is that the Jesus way flies in the face of the culture as it did back then. And if you want to live the Jesus life, you will pick up hardship. There's, there's no questions about it, so don't be surprised. Ooh, I wonder what happened today. No, you just chose to live for Jesus. However, make sure... That the hardship you are experiencing is you experiencing for the right reasons. Because many of us experience hardship and we put it to Christianity and sometimes it's just because we're foolish. We do stupid things. You know, so we have to be really careful on that. Peter's encouraging them, be careful that the ways of the world and your previous mode of living don't infiltrate the Jesus community and the new life that you have. It's so easy for that to happen. You know, when Jesus says, you're in this world, but not of this world, so much of the, as we look now, as we're in the world and we're of the world, we look exactly like the world. Not only do we look like them, but we act like them. Our values are the same as theirs. And Peter's saying, no, 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 no. You've you got to be a distinct people. You're a people that belong to God. You're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. A chosen group of people. You're supposed to live differently. So don't let that part of the world infiltrate into God's world. We're supposed to be making the difference that way, not that way. Um, and in into that, he goes on to say, these are my words, the ethic of God's people that live in a hostile world that's against them, that's persecuting them, that's rubbing them up the wrong way, all those things. There's still the ethic that we are called to live is a, love of lo a life of love, of kindness, of serving, of hospitality. That's how we're meant to live. It doesn't, if, the, if people are harsh to us, we still live that way. We still care. We still look for opportunity to be kind to people, even when they've been unkind to us. I, I've always loved the, the picture of the, the come to arrest Jesus and, you know, Peter hauls out the sword and what does he do? Takes the guy's ear off. Jesus says, no, 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 takes it, heals the man. This man that's come to arrest him so that, and he's going to put him to death. He, no, he heals him. He says, it's going to be okay. It's an amazing picture. Even in a hostile moment, we can live a life of kindness. 
And I think Peter's remembering that. My words into the text, all right? It's not in the text. It's me imagining. Peter's thinking, I remember that day when I was so impetuous. And Jesus showed, no, 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 he has a new way to live. Let me put it back. Let me bring healing. Let me bring kindness, even to the person that seems to be my enemy. Peter then lets that flow out of him as he encourages these churches that are struggling. He says, no, live a life of love. Live a a life of service, of kindness, of hospitality. Then we come to verse 19 of chapter 4. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do so. So don't be shocked what's coming your way, but... Every day, choose to make a faithful commitment to follow your God. Every day, live a Jesus life with a kingdom ethic. Every day. Because ultimately, it will win the day. Sometimes in the short term, it might look weak. Because it's so easy to want to retaliate when harshness comes our way. Or someone says bad to you, you want to go back at them. It's so easy. It's so easy to fly off the handle, to snap at somebody, whether it's your wife, your children, someone at work, or an innocent person driving in the car next to you. It is so easy. And so each day we, we want to commit ourselves under the, 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 the lordship of Jesus and the power of the Spirit to live this life of kindness and love and service and hospitality and let, it, let that wave begin to build and crash over the culture rather than the other way around. Does that make sense? That's a summary of the first four chapters of 1 Peter. How's that? We could have saved ourselves a lot of talking. <laughs> now, I want, to, I, I want to connect this a little bit to, to Buzz and the Busby memorials and everything that's been going on. Um, Revelations chapter 12, verse 11, there's an incredible verse. It says, they overcame him. Then by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. There's victory when we live and we live in a culture that's hostile and the enemies against us. Victory comes when we live under the blood of the Lamb, the finished work of Jesus, and through the word of our testimony, that we stand up and be counted and speak out Jesus' name. We are witnesses to Jesus. I mean, that's Acts 1, verse, you shall be my witnesses. And one of the things that we, we heard at all three memorials, how many were at all, John and I? We were at all three. And each time having to say things, and it just like brings up things, but there was an amazing goodness. And the goodness was as people spoke, whether it was from the front or whether we were interacting with people afterwards, was this idea that Busby, wherever he went, and whoever he spoke to, it didn't matter if they were the CEO of the company or a new writer coming in or whatever. Wherever he went, he spoke about Jesus, his faith, and this community. That's an astounding thing. Did you, did you hear that, John? Just everywhere. Busby spoke about Jesus, his faith, and his church. So for all who he was, bombastic and whatever, 
At the heart, here's a man who said, I witness to the life of Jesus. Everywhere. I mean, the CEO of Warner Music. I mean, that's like kind of a large company. Busby spoke to him about Jesus, his faith, and his community. You know, those environments are not always the most welcoming. They're hostile to, to faith. Buzz was unashamedly a follower of Jesus to whoever was there. For me, as I've thought about it, Buzz was a, a wonderful example of what it means to be a seed sown into the world. We are living seed thrown into the world by Jesus. And he did that wherever he went. He sowed his life. He sowed the gospel. He sowed Jesus wherever he went. That's what it is to be a disciple. At the same time, he was still human, which we heard everywhere. CEO got up of Warner and spoke just this glowing stuff and then just stopped and said, but he was a pain in my ass. Just, but it was that that drove stuff forward. Because at the essence of being a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean you stop being human. It doesn't mean you, you become this perfect person that can't do anything wrong. We are just human we we are still wrestling with the things that everyone else is wrestling with we just believe that we have a hope that we're aiming towards that we'll make it right one day and we know that buzz was frail and flawed we, we if you've known him for a five minutes you knew that but the testimony coming back from people i've never met never seen I'd, we'd heard about them is jesus faith his community it's just, it's kind of overwhelming. I think he got away with a lot of the things he would say, whether as a human or as a believer, because he loved people so deeply. I mean, that comes out. People just felt loved by this man. Sure, he would push them to the uttermost, to the best, but he loved people. He was generous, he was kind, he was hospitable. He would just do outrageous things. Believing in people when no one else believed in them. You may ask me why I'm saying all this, I'll tell you in a moment. He loved big stars and he loved little people that were unknown. I had big big star come and talk to me and tell me how he was loved by Busby, how love, Busby pushed him to new heights, and how he, he couldn't believe. And then I had someone who was a brand new writer said, I tried everywhere, no one believed me, but he said, we'll do something with you. And he loved them. Doesn't matter who they are. Rich, poor, Buzz was equal. And the way that I want to link this to this story of Peter is, 
I think this is a real, I think Buzz, for our, for our community is an example, not the only one, but we, we're speaking about him to bring closure, was a living example of the kind of person that Peter spoke about. Who lived in the culture, wrestled with everything that we all wrestle with, made mistakes and blunders and whatever, but at the heart what came out was Jesus and love and kindness and service and hospitality. If this was a Pentecostal church, I'd say, can I get an amen? Or maybe we can just sing a country song. See, Jesus left a legacy. His legacy is lived, is seen and lived through the people that follow him. Disciples making disciples who made disciples who made disciples who made disciples and 2,000 years later are still making disciples. That's the legacy of Jesus. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's the legacy of Jesus. But Busby also leaves a legacy. It's a legacy of family and faith and music, friendship. Those are, those are legacies as well. Now, we can emulate some of those. I'm not sure we can all emulate the music one. Maybe one or two or three in the, in the room can. I definitely can't. But I could emulate family and faith and friendship. And things first seen in Jesus. They're not new to Buzz. They were Jesus things. And I want to encourage us that if we want to remember Buzz, and I hope we do, we don't just remember him by photographs and songs. As important as those are. I've been collecting songs, those songs. I've got great photographs. We've been collecting them. But I want to remember Buzz by keeping in contact with those that he pulled together into a network. All sorts of people. When we were in Nashville, we spoke. We said there are a whole bunch of people that he brought together in the room. Let's twice a year get together and hang out and have a glass of wine and a meal. Because if we all just scatter to the winds and never connect again, I don't think that's necessarily living out the thing that he would have wanted. And I want some of those who don't know Jesus, I want to show them Jesus. I want to speak about Jesus to them. If we want to remember Buzz, we look to Jesus, because he's the one that shaped Buzz. And we learn to love people too. People loving people. That's the enemy of everything that's evil. That's one of his songs, one of my favorite songs he wrote. It's people loving people. That's the enemy of everything that's evil. Can we learn to love people? Can that be our remembrance of Busby, the way that we choose to live towards others? We actually have to move on with our lives, all of us. And we'll have different measures of remembering and mourning and grieving. I feel like, I don't know if John, I feel like if the public grieving is over, I can get on with my private grieving now and just do my own thing, which I want to do. I want to bring closure for us here. But we have to get on with our lives. Jess has to get on with her life, with those three little girls. But we, as community of where Buzz came from, we need to 
say we're going to pick up some of those mantles of just loving people, of being kind, of being hospitable, of opening our homes, of caring for people. Please care for Jess and the three girls as well. But make a difference. Go out there and make a difference. Go live life. Um, I've got to find something John said. Talk that he gave. I just want to read it, and I totally forgot to print it out. I apologize for that. Um. Oh. You sent it to me, hey John. Yeah, I know, and I'm trying to find it. Yeah. Hmm. Do you have it on you? Wow. Oh, here we go. Sorry. I want to read this. Um, sorry. And John asked him, Buzz, how are you feeling? And he said, John, I've been dying since the day I was born. And I'll keep living until the day I'm done. Nothing's really changed for me. That's an astounding outlook on life. John, I've been dying since the day I was born. And I'll keep living until the day I'm done. Nothing's really changed for me. Isn't that a wonderful mantra? To embrace our own lives, to live life to the full. Absolutely to the full. Now, we're going to do two things and we're done. We're going to listen to a song in a moment. But the first thing we're going to do is you're going to take out a phone, a piece of paper, a pen, a tablet, or whatever you have. Can you take it out? Get to notes or whatever thing you use to write. If you have a good memory, great. We have the scriptures because people wrote down what they remembered. The Gospels are four different stories about Jesus from different aspects. What I want us to do, I want you to take five minutes. I want you to write, I remember something about Buzz. Not I remember him farting in the swimming pool. We don't those are, those are good, but I remember something about him that impacted me. Or I saw him impact another person. Or something. I remember I want you to write that out. Then I want you to go, we're going to do it now so we don't forget. Then later at home you can go and clean it up and then somehow we're going to figure out to get that to, or we hold it for a moment, we'll create a place to send it, and put it, we did that in Nashville, so we can send something to the girls and to Jess that they can remember. This is what people, this is how people saw my dad. Is that all right? We do that. So can you take a few minutes? I remember. What we are not going to do in the days and months that lie ahead, we are not going to make Busby into what he what. We're not going to build a statue to him. We're not going to, you, do you understand? We are going to 
worship Jesus. But we thank the Lord for the, that life. There was an inspiration. Okay. So we can bring... Before we break bread, so we're gonna, I'm going to play at least one song, maybe two. So this is a song written by his friend Ben West. Um, I quoted some of it on, on Wednesday. Um, ben wrote a try with him. And it's just, he wrote it in, after Buzzard died, and it's called Old Friends. Um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, I've listened to it multiple times a day. There have been a few that have come out. Um, Greg's song Home, I've listened to that a lot as well. Played that at the memorial. But let's, let's, got it? I want us to take communion together. As we say so often, communion is, is an astounding meal that Jesus left us. Because you can tie almost anything into it in terms of the gospel of God's people. And as we take communion this evening, can it be just a remembrance that we are bound together as family under the Lordship of Jesus for his purposes? And that when we feel like we, the hostile territory is getting too hard, that we would lean into one another. When we feel like we're fragile, we would lean into one another and trust one another that God will use family, church family, to care for us. When this meal represents us coming together, it's, it's, the, it's the work of Jesus that brought us together. So if you want to come, in the, the words of Brian Moon, fall in a straight line, come take bread and the cup and then we'll pray. <clears throat>